RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Law Father Podcast. As always, please check us out on social media. Just uh, search for at the Law Father and you'll find us Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, you're going to start seeing some more stuff up on YouTube. So those of you who like to watch YouTube, go ahead and check us out there as well. So as we get into election season, I, I think it's really very important to take a look at the amendments. Uh, so those of you who are, who are listening who are in Florida, we have several amendments on the ballot. There's six this year. And you may not know what they are, what a yes vote means, what a no vote means. Uh, some of them are straightforward. Some of them are not. Okay, so very important to know what you're voting on. And so I'd like to take the next two podcasts, this one being one and the next one, and look at voting and the elections. So this one today, we're going to be diving into the Florida amendments. And then in the next one, uh, which will be just before election day, we'll look at some of the candidates and what they stand for, uh, both on a local level and on the uh, federal U.S. government level. So let's start with the uh, first one, the first Amendment 1 to this year's ballot. And it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. And the head-scratcher is why. I don't necessarily look at this one and have an understanding of why there's even a push, why anybody has spent money on putting this on the ballot or anything else. But here it is, and I'm going to read the exact text from the ballot, and then we're going to break down what that really means and the effect that it could have. Citizenship requirement to vote in Florida is amendment number one. Okay, so on its face, before we get into the actual text, sounds like a pretty important thing. Here's where it becomes kind of interesting, okay? So, this amendment provides that only United States citizens who are at least 18 years of age a permanent resident of Florida and registered to vote as provided by law shall be qualified to vote in a Florida election. That's what the text reads on the ballot. What this really does, the, the way the citizenship requirement reads today, before election day, is that every U.S. citizen can vote in Florida, okay, with those other parameters, but every, that's that's our key there, every. This amendment proposes to change every to only. So it would read, only U.S. citizens can vote. Not really sure what the impact is on that. Don't really see that there's a difference between every and only, uh, because if it's every, it you'd have to be a U.S. citizen. If it's only, you'd also have to be a U.S. citizen. But that's what that amendment is. So for Amendment 1, a yes vote equals changing the wording from every to only. And a no vote is that stays as is, as every. Uh, whether yes or no wins in this one, don't really see any potential effect on voting in Florida. Amendment 2, and this is probably uh, one of the more hot-button topics I think that we're going to see here in Florida during this election time, raising Florida's minimum wage. The text on the ballot reads, raises minimum wage to $10 per hour effective September 30th, 2021. Each September 30th thereafter, 
The minimum wage shall increase by $1 per hour until the minimum wage reaches $15 per hour on September 30th, 2026. From that point forward, future minimum wage increases shall revert to being adjusted annually for inflation starting September 30th, 2027. Okay, so kind of a lot going on there. It is the $15 minimum wage amendment. However, the $15 minimum wage doesn't start till 2026. Okay, so six years from now, we'd be looking at an increase to $15 an hour. What's, what's interesting and what would be interesting to look at is when this amendment was proposed, uh, being that it we're in an interesting time period and... You know, it's tough on everybody, being that we're in the coronavirus time period of the pandemic and, and everything else. We have business owners and especially small business owners who are likely struggling because of shutdowns and, you know, decreasing customers and those types of things. So tougher on the bottom line from that perspective. On the flip side of it, you have the employees who most likely have been out of work, uh, or at least there are a lot of people, more people who have been out of work because of some of these shutdowns who would greatly benefit from an increase in minimum wage. So it's a really interesting dynamic here in this one, especially with the time period that we're in right now and the way things look in the country in terms of things being shut down. Now, those of us in Florida, we see things as at least from my perspective, things seem pretty wide open. Uh, and I'm on an alumni board with the University of Tampa, and we just had a meeting. And I'm listening to people in, in every you know, part of the country, and they're talking about their businesses, and uh, some of them work for large corporate entities. And to just hear the difference in, in what's going on and how they're all working from home, how a lot of the companies aren't allowing face-to-face -face client meetings, how travel isn't allowed, how at the university they can travel, but there's no overnight travel permitted. So a lot of different things going on, and I think that could potentially have an impact on this one. Not really sure what that impact is and how that impact looks in terms of whether it passes or doesn't pass, but uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. I, I, Recently took a road trip up to Missouri with the family and drove through Georgia and Kentucky and Illinois and those places, the restaurants were drive through only. Now, mind you, with two little kids, uh, three and one, it's kind of difficult having drive through only restaurants all the way up through a road trip. Um, so it did lead to some interesting times, but it was seemingly things were more closed down. So in Florida, we may have a unique perspective on business and economy and things being a little bit more wide open. So that that's something to look at there. Uh, so for frame of reference, the current minimum wage in Florida is $8.56 per hour. And there are some allocations for adjustments due to inflation. Okay, so if you vote yes, yes vote raises the minimum wage and it's a stepped up process. We don't get to $15 until September 30th, 2026. Uh, a no vote leaves it as is, and it leaves the $8.56 per hour minimum wage, which is then tied to inflation for any increases in the future. Amendment three is all voters vote in state primary elections. And what your state primary election is, it's your state legislature, your governor, and the cabinet. All right. So that is who those who you're voting for in the state primary elections. So 
Just to look at it real briefly, you're going to have county elections, you're going to have state elections, and you're going to have federal elections, and you're most likely going to see them on the same ballot. All right, so you won't necessarily see a big differentiation. So for those of you who live in Hillsborough County, which is where we are in Tampa, uh, you're going to see judges, um, you're going to see uh, county commissioners, those types of positions. You're also then going to see state legislature and those positions, and then the president and U.S. Senate, uh, U.S. House. Those pieces, they're all going to be on the same ballot. Okay, so don't get confused. And, and when you see the ballot, it's not just one level of government. It's all of them combined in one. But we're talking about the state primary elections. So like I said, the state legislature, the government and the, or excuse me, the governor and the governor's cabinet. It reads, allows all registered voters to vote in primaries for state legislature, governor and cabinet, regardless of political party affiliation. All candidates for an office, including party-nominated candidates, appear on the same primary ballot. The two highest vote-getters advance to general election. If only two candidates qualify, no primary is held, and winner is determined in general election. Candidates' party affiliation may appear on ballot as provided by law, and this should be effective January 1, 2024, which January 1, 2024, we would be going into our next uh, cycle of presidential elections. So right now, Florida has what's called closed primary elections. Uh, there are 10 other states that do these closed primary elections. And what that means is if you are registered as a Republican or if you're registered as a Democrat, you can vote in the primary election. If you're an independent, if you are not registered to either party uh, or any other combination other than Republican or Democrat as on your voter registration, you can't vote in the primary. Okay, that's, that's what goes on right now. Okay, and the winners in those primary elections move on to the general election. So you're always going to have a Republican and a Democrat showing up in your general election. Okay, so that's how that works right now. What this would open up, it would open up every registered voter to vote in the primaries. So you would take all of your Republicans, all of your Democrats, all of your any other party you can think of, your independents, anything else that is identified as a political party, they all go in one little pool. All right. Every person that's registered to vote in the state of Florida votes on that pool and the top two candidates in that pool move on to the general election. Then the general election, just for clarity, is what we're in the middle of right now. The general election is the person who wins fills whatever seat that the vote is being had for. OK, so if it's the governor, for example, if Governor one wins in the primary, moves on to the general, and uh, Governor one wins the general, he is now the governor. Okay, that's how that works. And so what we look at is a yes vote in this would open the primary elections to all registered voters. Everybody who's registered the vote in the state of Florida, regardless of party affiliation, could vote. A no vote is to leave it as is meaning that only registered Republicans or Democrats can vote in primaries. 
where might this become important? I, I would guess that there are a lot of people out there who probably fall somewhere in between Republican and Democrat and maybe aren't registered one or the other, but may lean one way or the other. And, and maybe depending on a candidate in any given year might lean more one way versus the other way and you know the next time flip back so it would open up those votes uh, i think it could lead to some interesting votes and some interesting outcomes um, so that's what what that is and let's move to amendment number four uh, this one really kind of interesting in terms of the support behind it so let's look at what it is first amendment four is voter approval of constitutional amendments and the text for the ballot reads, requires all proposed amendments or revisions to the state constitution to be approved by the voters in two elections instead of one in order to take effect. The proposal applies the current thresholds for passage to each of the two elections. So let's break that down. Let's take the, the last part of that. The current threshold is 60%. So what is this actually saying? It's saying that in order to pass an amendment, essentially the same thing we're voting on in this amendment okay which is requiring one vote of 60 percent of the yes votes all future amendments okay remember this list that i'm reading today of what's on the ballot these are all amendments you'd have to vote on them twice two different elections okay and it would require a 60 percent approval both times why is this one kind of interesting? Well, it's interesting if you trace the money behind it and not really trying to get into a whole lot of who pays for what and who does what, but in get, breaking these down and getting an understanding of what these amendments are, did a lot of research for this, looked in a lot of different places. Every place that I looked to get an understanding of what the, the amendments were and what the breakdown of the impact of them were talked about dark money and specifically for amendment four now what is dark money dark money is just a way of saying that there's a political contribution that can't be traced uh so a significant amount of money that went to this amendment was this so-called dark money like i said money that that can't be traced uh, anytime you make a political donation your name shows up okay somehow there's a way to, to shield it and make it like I said, dark money. So I find that kind of interesting that you'd have that concept here. And I'll just leave that kind of right there where it is. So as mentioned, this would require amendments to be voted on twice, two separate elections, and a 60% approval rating or an approval percentage for both of those elections. This in turn would make it more difficult to pass amendments. Okay, that's the effect of this so a yes vote would make it harder to pass amendments in the future a no vote leaves it as is all right we have amendment five and amendment six wrapping it up and these two are all about your property taxes so you know one through four really not necessarily a huge impact well i guess minimum wage huge impact on the day-to-day -day of of floridians but only if you uh, work at, as an hourly wage employee. Uh, I think these next two have possibly a bigger impact, a direct impact on Floridians. 
Amendment 5 is limitation on homestead assessments. And the text reads, the, the ballot text reads, proposing an amendment to the state constitution effective date January 1, 2021 to increase from two years to three years the period of time during which accrued Save Our Homes benefits may be transferred from a prior homestead to a new homestead. So what is that really saying? You go and you own your house. It's a homesteaded house, meaning it's your primary property and you own it. There are some uh, size restrictions in terms of the amount of land, uh, really kind of outside the purview of what we're looking at, okay? But that's what homestead is. So by and large, unless you live on a giant farm, okay? It, this applies to everybody and it even applies to the farms. It just, the difference there is the amount of acreage. Okay, that's the only difference. So everybody who lives as a primary residence in Florida and owns the property is eligible for homestead exemption and it deals with the property taxes. It lowers your property taxes when you have the homestead exemption. So when you think about it like this, Florida has a lot of retirees, a lot of snowbirds. They may live in, oh, we'll just say New York because uh, it seems like there's probably a lot of people who live in New York and then spend their the winters down in Florida, own a house in Florida as well. Well, they don't get the tax breaks if they don't live in Florida, what's called full-time. I believe it's uh, six months and a day. I believe, I double checked the statute on that, but I believe it's six months and a day makes you a Florida resident if you so choose, which you can then homestead and lower your property taxes. If you don't, then you pay full boat on your property taxes. And so what this amendment is saying is that when you sell your homesteaded house, okay, the way it sits now is you have two years to then buy a new place and homestead that place to get that benefit. That benefit could carry over from house one into house two. What this amendment is saying, we'll give you three years instead of two years. Okay, so you sell your house, you would have three years if this amendment passes uh, to move that homestead from house one to house two. A yes vote extends it, extends homestead protection to three years, okay, for when you when you sell and then buy. A no vote leaves it as it is right now, which is two years. Next up is amendment six, and that is ad valorem tax discount for spouses of certain deceased veterans who had permanent combat-related injuries. And that ballot text reads, provides that the homestead property tax discount for certain veterans with permanent combat-related disabilities carries over to such veteran surviving spouse who holds legal or beneficial Title II and who permanently resides on the homestead property until he or she remarries or sells or otherwise disposes of the property. The discount may be transferred to a new homestead property of this surviving spouse under certain conditions. The amendment takes effect January 1, 2021. That's a mouthful. We just talked about homestead exemptions. And at first glance, you go, well, how is this different, okay, than the regular homestead exemption? Well, currently, veterans with combat disabilities get an additional homestead exemption. So I, I know the ballot text doesn't really make that very clear, which I, I think really has the potential to, to hurt uh, this because it's just, 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way it's written. It's just very wordy, uh, very difficult to understand. I had a difficult time understanding. I actually had to go back and research to figure out what is the current status. If you are a veteran that is disabled in regards to uh, a combat disability, and it took that research to find out that those veterans get an additional homestead tax break. Okay, so you have your regular homestead that we talked about in Amendment 5. And then if you're a combat uh, veteran who was disabled, you get an additional benefit on top of that. Previously or currently as we, as we sit here today, that extra tax break dies with the veteran. Okay, yes, you would still be entitled to your regular homestead exemption, but you wouldn't get that extra tax break. What this amendment is saying that when the veteran passes, that tax break actually, when the veteran dies, just for clarity, okay, because I, I don't want to use passes twice. Uh, when the veteran dies, that extra benefit, that extra homestead tax break would pass to the surviving spouse. Okay. There are some conditions to it. Uh, the surviving spouse must own and live in the home uh, when the surviving spouse, if the surviving spouse remarries within, I believe it's three years, then that tax break goes away. So what this seemingly is designed for is that surviving spouse who remains uh, single in the house, owns the house, lives in the house, and is the, the surviving spouse of a combat veteran with uh, combat disabilities. That's what that is. So a yes vote would continue the, or would, excuse me, a yes vote would be to pass that additional tax break onto the surviving spouse. A no vote is that the tax break ends at the veteran's death. Okay, so those are the six amendments on the ballot this year for the state of Florida. Uh, a lot of things that have a direct impact on us as Floridians and our day-to-day. -day. All right, so take a look at those. No one understand what you're voting on. And in the, our next podcast, we'll talk about some of the people who are involved in the, in the elections. But these amendments give us as voters a real easy way to determine what happens to us. There's a direct impact, okay? When we vote on an amendment, direct impact, when we vote on a person, we don't necessarily have as much of a direct impact because we can't control what that person does once they're elected, okay? And I don't care who that person is, we, we relinquish that control, but there is a direct line correlation with these amendments. You vote yes, something happens. You vote no, something else happens. Direct line correlation helps us all out as Floridians, as always. This is the Law Father here. If you ever need to reach me, 855-LAW-FATHER. You can call or text me on that. Lawfather at tampalawfather.com. That will get you to this show. And that will answer any questions that you have. And we'll read them right on air. Uh, no, vote, no listener questions today because I want to keep this directly in line with voting in the state of Florida. I don't want to... Uh, you know, create any uh, confusion of the issues that we're working with here today. We're working strictly with the voting. Get out there and vote. We'll talk about the people next time. It's the Law Father here. Law Father out.
This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. In this election, the number of votes are going to be broken. They're going to be smashed and never broken again because everybody cares about this election. I've never been around an election that's had 10% of this kind of energy. Never in my life. Never. I've never seen more ballots. I've never seen more commercials. I've never seen more commercials to vote. I've never gotten more text messages about freaking voting. Stop text messaging me, please. I don't, I get text messages from my daughter, my son, my ex-wife, I guess, because I pay for the bills, I guess, but I get it all. I'm tired of it. I'm going to vote. Leave me alone. Thank you. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.